These past months as we've been walking through Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, we've been exploring Jesus' instructions on what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. And uh, I think if I could boil it all down to one phrase, what we've learned so far, that phrase would be dependence upon God rather than upon self. Dependence upon God rather than dependence upon self. That, that, is, that, that mindset runs contrary to what we experience in most of our lives as citizens of this world and as Americans especially. We Americans tend to be a very uh, self-oriented, a very self-motivating, and, and we, we, we want to do it myself, do it my way, right? But Jesus frees us from feeling like we have to impress others with our dedication to religion or to our job or to whatever it is. See, that's kind of the, the, the mindset of most people in our country. We, we, we want to impress people. We want to, we want to have pride about ourselves and what we do and, and, and the way that we carry ourselves. We want to be able to have broad shoulders and stand up and, and, and show that we're strong. And this morning, I want to encourage you that Jesus frees us from that mentality, particularly relating to our religion. And, and I also want to be clear that that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be religious. Religion actually is a very good thing. I know it's become popular in uh, church culture in our day to sort of bash on religion. You know, I don't have a religion, I have a relationship with Jesus. It's kind of ridiculous thing to say and uh and i kind of i mean i understand where it comes from but at the same time if you have a relationship with jesus you're going to have religion <laughs> because religion is how we practice our relationship with jesus It'd be like me saying well you know um i have a relationship with my wife but i don't have a marriage you know um that's that's very just doesn't make sense Marriage is how I practice and live out my relationship with my wife. And your religion as a Christian is the way you live out your relationship with Jesus. It's how you walk it out. So religion is not a bad thing. But we don't want to have our identity rooted in our religious faithfulness, but rather in Christ's faithfulness on our behalf. But it's so easy for us to fall down into that path of essentially finding our identity in our religious experience or in our religious performance. And this is an important statement. Religion is supposed to be the active practice of dependence upon God. That's what it's designed to do. It's an active practice of dependence upon God. And that's what fasting is all about. And believe it or not, that's where we are today. We're, we're on the passage about fasting. And, um, and so we're going to focus in on that topic. But I want you to know when we focus, we're going to talk about fasting. But we're not only focusing on the practice of fasting. It also relates to pretty much every aspect of the way that we walk out our relationship with the Lord. So we're going to have some really important things to think about today regarding all of that. So let's read our focus passage for today, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And here's what the scriptures say. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Can we give the Lord a praise for his word this morning? <laughs> Father God, we are so limited in our capacity to understand the truth of your word. In fact, this morning, we just acknowledge that there is going to be tension in us. There's a tension of what we think that we know and what we think is right as citizens of planet Earth versus what you have declared to us is true as citizens of your kingdom. And Lord, those two tensions are constantly pulling against us. And this morning, we ask for your help. We need your power, Holy Spirit, because we are not going to be able to apply this word in our own strength, not rightly. So we need you. Lord, rightly divide this word in our hearts so we can understand it. And Father, apply it to us in power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as I was studying this, I was reminded of something. I actually hadn't really thought about this very much, but I... uh, Occasionally, I like to pull out this old set of Bible commentaries called the Interpreter's Bible. It's really, really great. And actually, a pastor gave it to me years ago. Uh, it was an older set. A retired pastor had given to him, and he already had one. So he gave, gave it to me. This was probably when I was like 20, 21. And you know, he was like, hey, this is great. Help you prepare for sermons. And, and I've used it throughout the years. Well, uh, in, in that commentary, he, the the guy who does sort of the, uh, he does the background work of understanding the scriptures, um, he had written a paragraph about this. And, and what he said was that, that the Jewish people in Jesus' day were taught to regularly observe three specific elements of piety. And those three things were prayer, which Jesus, by the way, covered in verses 5 through 15 of Matthew 6, um, giving to the poor, which Jesus covered in verses 1 through 4, and fasting, which we're dealing with today. And it's interesting that Jesus touches on each of these elements of Jewish spiritual life. And, and, and he approaches them in, in kind of a similar way. He approaches each saying, hey, don't do this to be noticed by people. If you, if you go back and read through the passage, you'll see that he says that multiple times. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you pray, don't go and shout from the mountaintop so everyone knows how spiritual you are. And when you fast, do it privately. Interesting that we have this theme running throughout this passage about our religious practice. I think Jesus understood better than anyone that there is great danger in religious practice when our religion is practiced with the wrong motives. Nothing about what Jesus has said so far in chapter 6 tells us that we shouldn't be religious. Matter of fact, he says that we should be doing these things. These are religious practices, by the way, right? Alms to the poor. Every time I say that, I can't help but to think of the old Robin Hood, you know, Disney Robin Hood movie. And, you know, uh, alms to the poor. I just can't. I, like, that's what comes into my head. You know, Robin Hood dressed like a crippled man walking around. Anyway, um, what a great, what a classic, you know? Wish they still made movies like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just, all of these things, Jesus says, you should be doing these things. I want you to do these things. But, but I want you to do them with the right heart. He's, he's clear, he's been clear that all these things are good. 
right? Giving to the poor is a good thing. Prayer is a good thing. Fasting is a good thing. I mean, right here he says, whenever you fast, it's like he assumes we're going to fast at some point. But we get into trouble when we make our religion about glorifying ourselves rather than about glorifying God. And, and this is true with all these things, with prayer, with, with giving, with fasting, with any religious practice. If the glory of Christ is not at the heart of our religion, it can never be true religion. I'm going to say that again. I think that's an important thing for us to remember. If the glory of Christ is not at the heart of our religion, it can never be true religion. And by the way, I'm not just saying Christian religion. I mean of all religion. If the glory of Christ is not at the heart of it, it is not true religion. So, we are tasked with putting our effort all the more into being careful about making sure the why of our religious practice is pure. Why do I practice religion? Why do I go to church? Why do I pray? Why do I fast? Why do I put money in the offering? Why do I pick up my Bible and read? Why? Why do we do these things? Why do you do these things? It's an important question. But I want to give a few things today. A few reasons why we fast. A few reasons, and, and again, I want to say this, I want to reiterate, it's not just about fasting. This applies to all of our religious practice. But specifically here, fasting is what Jesus is dealing with. And so we're going to use it in that context. I just want us to make sure we know it doesn't only apply there. The first thing about, about Christian fasting is it is worshipful. Christian fasting is worshipful. We fast for God's glory. Again, Jesus here, see, he says, when you fast, he says, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. Jesus says, why do you fast? It's for an audience of one. It's for him. It's for the Father. The only one that I'm concerned about who sees me in fasting should be the Father. Which, you know, there's a question for us. Who is our audience for fasting? Who is our audience for any spiritual practice that we might have? We live in a world in which people are, it's like they're constantly put on display. You ever feel like you've been put on display in this world? Yeah. <laughs> or feel that pressure to make the perfect Facebook post or put the perfect picture on Instagram or, or just make sure you're putting the perfect front out there for people to see? We're constantly being put on display. Feeling that we have to prove ourselves in order to be accepted. Like, Facebook t today, to me, it's like a whole, it's just like a, a barrage of people trying to prove that they're a good member of this society. I don't need to go into a lot of details, but this particular month, people are really loud. 
about something scripture says kills us, and that's pride. But anyways, I'm, I'm, look, you know, like, what, what, what's our, pride is what got Adam and Eve in trouble, right? And we celebrate it in this culture. And I'm not, I know a lot of people are celebrate, they're surprised by the way this culture is going. I'm like, this has always been a part of who we are from the very beginning. Our pride just shifts to different things. We're proud of our independence. We're proud of our heritage. Scripture says pride comes before the fall. It, it, it doesn't lead us into a good place, but, but, but we're boastful. We're prideful as a culture. And, we're draw, and, and we, even though we're believers, we can easily be sucked into that mindset because we're a part of this culture. And so a lot of times people put these, these pithy statements out there, right? Why? So that other people will see them and be like, yeah, that's right. You go, you go, girl. You go, boy. You got this. Man, look at you. You're so courageous. You're so brave. You're so bold. But I want to encourage us. I'm not saying this to blast our society. Jesus will handle that someday, Okay. <laughs> My job is not to judge the world because Christ didn't come to judge the world. My job is to proclaim the gospel. That's all of our job. But we're going to be honest about what's true, right? I need more of that because you all know I grew up Baptist. I, okay, so uh, <laughs> I need more amens in the crowd. Okay. Um, in God's kingdom, we are no longer accepted based upon what we do, but based upon what Christ has done for us. See, that's why I say that, because the temptation is there for us to go out there and try to prove ourselves. But Christian, you don't have to prove yourself anymore. You don't have to prove yourself to the world. You don't have to prove that you're a good American or a good citizen of this community or, or, or that you're love, loving whatever the definition of that is for today. You don't have to prove any of that. And, and I, I want to challenge us that, that we, we've got to learn to reject the world's call to prove ourselves. In Christ, we are free. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this as loudly as I need to. In Christ, we are free to live quietly. You don't have to put everything you do on social media. In fact, I think it might be really bad for us that we do that as a culture. <laughs> yeah. No one but God needs to see your religious practice. No one but God needs to, needs to see what's happening down here. Because, look, you're not, you're not doing it in order to earn favor with somebody. Do you, do you realize that your religious practice doesn't earn you favor with God either? Doesn't earn you favor with people. Doesn't earn you favor with God. Nothing you do is about earning. It's built on a foundation of God's grace in Christ. This is a great quote. This is from uh, Warren Wearsby, great Bible scholar who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he left us a lot of good writings, so I'm grateful for that. But he wrote, simply to deprive ourselves of a natural benefit such as food or sleep is not of itself fasting. We must devote ourselves to God and worship him. Unless there is devotion of the heart, there is no lasting spiritual benefit. It's about worship. Now, the reason I point out these popular temptations 
is because when we engage in spiritual activities, we will have the temptation to be loud about it, to make a post. Hey, my fasting is growing great. I'm on day five, you know. Um, you know, and I even, and, and, you know, I think there is a line here, a fine line, but I even see people sometimes, you know, who, who like, I think they're trying to do a good thing. I think they're trying to encourage other people to engage God, but they're just really loud about, hey, you know, I'm on day you know, 30 of reading the Bible in 90 days or something. And, 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 and sometimes I, you know, sometimes I wonder, it's like, I get trying to encourage other people to join you in this, but we really have to ask if our heart's in the right place because if it's not, that can easily become bragging and it can easily be about self-righteousness and then we lose the reward of the, the benefit of it. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive to the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an, these, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they have of no value... They are of no, no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, why is that? Why would Paul write something like that? Because Paul understood transformation does not come through the actions themselves, but through dependence upon God. So inasmuch as fasting helps me focus my heart on the Father, it is beneficial. If that's the motivation of my heart. But if I think by fasting I'm going to make myself righteous before God and others, then it has no benefit. There's no reason to even do that. The difference between the New Age, the Hindu, the Buddhist, the humanist, or any other ist out there and their practices and Christian practices is simply the object of worship. You know, a lot of people out there fast. A lot of people out there pray. A lot of, a lot of people out there go to some kind of church or, or some kind of religious gathering. But that doesn't mean that what they're doing is necessarily a good thing. Because in worldly religions and ideologies, the object of worship is ultimately self. It's about getting yourself to a certain place where you've achieved. Oh, you've achieved Nirvana, man. That's so cool. And I don't mean you bought the, the, the Nirvana album, you know. I mean, like, like you, you, you got it, that place of, of peace and enlightenment. It's about self. You know what's funny is they talk about emptying self, but it's really all about self. It's about peace, having peace in yourself. That's not the purpose of Christian religion. Why do Christians fast? It's not so that we can appear spiritual or so that we can somehow achieve some enlightenment. It's because God in Christ has called us to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus. And so we fast and we pray and we do these things because, get this, we already have it in a sense. We already have it, and we're just practicing becoming conformed to a reality that has actually already been placed on us by the Father. You are not earning 
your righteousness because you already have the righteousness of Christ if you're in him. So you're just practicing living in alignment with a truth that is already there, declared over you by the Father. You see that? There's a big difference. So when, when we fast, we don't need anything in return. I'm not looking to get something from God. Look, can I tell you that if you're fasting because you want to get something from God and not just because you love God, you're probably fasting with the wrong heart. Now, look, fasting and prayer together, we're supposed to ask God. We're supposed to ask God for things. We're supposed to knock on the door. But the motivation behind it better not be us and elevating ourselves. And, and the motivation better not be God's gifts. They better be God. The gifts come because we know him, because we love him, because we're walking with him. If we practice Christianity, but our motivation is self, then all we have is a Christianized version of humanism or something similar to that. Do you understand that? And I want to say this. There's a lot of what is called Christianity in our world that's really just about propping people up. And we see a lot of that in our culture. And I, lo I love this country. I love this country that we live in. I love people. I love the church. But there are a lot of churches that at the end of the day, when you get down to what they're doing, they're not really calling us to walk in Christ. They're calling people to worship of self, and they're calling it Christian. What is our motivation And I think in the evangelical world, we can even fall into that because we start to think, man, you know, I just want to get to heaven someday. And our motivation becomes heaven and not loving Christ. And heaven becomes an idol. And we're not really excited about his presence. We're excited about the mansions. We're excited about seeing our loved ones who've died before us. I'm not saying we shouldn't be excited about those things. I think Jesus tells us about them so we can look forward to them. But ultimately, what's the motivation? Why do I want to be there? I want to be there because that's where Jesus is. Not because of all these cool... Look, I can build a mansion here. I mean, I can't right now, but if I worked hard enough, you know? You know, if you got enough money, you could build streets of gold in your, in your yard. You can do a lot of that stuff. What makes heaven so great is Jesus is there. And I want to be with Jesus. And you know what? If there were none of those other benefits, I'd still want to be there. I would rather be a pauper in the streets of heaven in the presence of Jesus than a rich man here. Right? Like, what's our motivation? Why do we do these things? Is it because we want to be more like him? You know, something that I was thinking about as I was writing all this is that people in hell are often hard workers too. It's not just Christians who are working hard. A lot of people in hell worked really hard for their salvation. They just found out their motivation, their heart was on the wrong thing. Jesus is trying to take our eyes off of those things and put them squarely on him. Ultimately, we fast because we love Jesus. 
He set us free from sin and death. Fasting is a way that we actively practice freedom from our lusts and passions. Think about this. Is there some sin pattern that you're having a hard time getting over the hump on? Fasting is a way that Christ has ordained for you to have breakthrough. Here's how. Because if you practice doing without food for a day or two, you're learning what it takes to tell your sin pattern no to. If I can tell my stomach, shut up, we're not going to Golden Corral today. In fact, we're not going to eat anything today. We're just going to focus on Jesus. We're going to put our heart on Him. Uh, one, one practice, one thing I love to do when I'm fasting is, is instead of eating a meal, I love to open up the Word and I just say, Lord, I, I just want to feast upon you and your Word today. It's, and, and it's powerful. I've had some of my most powerful spiritual experiences just opening up the Bible and, and saying, Lord, would you feed me with your Word today? I'm just, because you know, I'm pra- when we do that, we're practicing dependence upon Him. I mean, yeah, I, I can go out and I can... I can get my own sustenance. I mean, there's food everywhere in this culture. There's a McDonald's on every corner. I'm not saying it's good food, but it's food, you know? I mean, the, the food is so accessible to us to intentionally decide that I'm not going to take this for a day or two or whatever. It helps us. It helps us to overcome sin. So, so then when I've practiced depriving myself of that thing that I need and trusting in God, then I come across my sin that I also think that I need, and I can say, you know what? I don't actually need that. And the Spirit has given me, uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit is control, right? <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because I have the Holy Spirit, I have self-control. Whether I realize that or live and walk it out or not, so I want to learn to exercise that. So how do I learn to exercise that? I do have control over what I put in my mouth. I may have a hard time controlling my sinful passions, but I can I cannot eat for a couple days. And that practice teaches me the exact same thing that I need, that same dependence upon God that I need to tell that sin pattern, no. So it's important. Through self-denial and singular focus on Christ, we're driving daggers into our human nature. We've come to love Christ through the gospel and the power of the Spirit in us. The more we behold Christ, the more we, be- we long to be like Him. His love, which has unlocked our love for Him, is our ultimate motivation in fasting. We fast because we love Jesus. And, and that's why we come to church, too. That's a spiritual discipline. Uh, look, y- y- this is cool that we're all here today, you know? And I know there are some who couldn't make it today. I, I realize that. We're in a weird season still. But it's still really cool that you're here and that I'm here and we're here together and the Holy Spirit's present. This is a spiritual discipline. And, and can I just, I want to applaud everyone who has the, the, uh, the motivation to wake up on a Sunday morning and come to church. That's a big deal. And you're honoring the Lord in that. Yeah. Um, but, but we don't come here. By the way, you didn't come here this morning so that we could clap for you or, you know. Uh, <laughs> we're here because we love Jesus. And that's even cooler than coming just because we feel obligated. But we fast because we love Jesus. And, and, we, and we open up the scriptures every day. 
I hope you do that because we love Jesus and we pray every day because we love Jesus. He's our motivation. And if any other thing is our motivation in those things, then do you understand that we're not getting the spiritual benefit from them? We're missing out on that. I'm not going to be able to finish this whole thing today, but that's, that's okay. We have next week too. So um, we'll, we'll finish this message next week. I'm not going to try to keep you for another 20 minutes. Uh, amen, Pastor Dwight? <laughs> I could go for a long time. Uh, anyways, uh, but, uh, but, but I do want to touch on this other thing. Christian fasting is joy-filled. Christian fasting is joy-filled. Since we do not fast in order to earn any standing with God or people, we can fast without any pressure to perform. It's important. Christ, we're going to actually close with this part today. We're going to focus on Jesus. Christ suffered because of the joy he had in freeing us. So we fast with joy, knowing it draws us nearer to Christ. There are a lot of inconveniences in the Christian life, aren't there? Well, we already mentioned that you woke up early on a Sunday morning and came here, you know. Uh, you could have been at the lake today fishing, you know what I mean? You could, have, you could have been, there's a dozen other things you could have been doing today. You could be sitting at home watching baseball. Yeah, some people, you know, the softball tournament's over, but the baseball's still going, you know. Um, there, there are a lot of things that, that you could be doing. You could be... I mean, you know, I know people like to sleep. You could still be sleeping. Who knows, you know? Uh, I know it's noon, but, I mean, come on, you know? I know how, I know how people are. But here you are. You're here. And we're talking about fasting. It's, it, yeah, it's an inconvenience. It's a self-imposed inconvenience. Why? Because of the joy that we have in Christ. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured the from sinners, such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Here's what I want to say. Christ, you know that when he went to the cross, as painful and as difficult as that was, do you know he had inexpressible joy? even as he was experiencing the fullness of the Father's wrath for you and me. He had inexpressible joy. That's hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'm going to tell you, if somebody hung me on a cross, I wouldn't be very happy about it, okay? But Christ had inexpressible joy even as he suffered. And how do we know that? Because we're told that it was for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? He knew that in his suffering, he was restoring you and I to the Father. He was creating a pathway so that we could be right with God. And he took great joy in that. That through his suffering, we could be redeemed and restored. So when I approach a small minor inconvenience, like fasting, 
Like putting down the YouTube on my phone so I can read the Bible for 10 or 15 minutes. Like waking up early to come to church on a Sunday morning. Like many other spiritual disciplines that we engage in. I want to encourage us to remember this. Jesus had joy in his intense suffering for you and I. So can we not have joy in these momentary afflictions that we deal with? These small little things that we know are growing us closer to him. I get excited because you woke up for church today, not because it's cool to have faces in the crowd, although I will tell you it's better to preach to people than to myself, but... But that's not why I'm excited you got up this morning. I got excited you woke up this morning and came to church because you, you know that you took a step towards Jesus when you made that decision. So that's really cool. Every day when I open up my Bible, most days I do. Some days I will be honest with you. Uh, a couple days last week I didn't. I had to repent. But, you know, and I had to read double that day. And I really wish I would have read, read the, day, the day before when I did that. Um, but... But sometimes, you know, when, when I do pick up my, my Bible and I read, you know, what's so cool about that is that's an intentional choice to draw near to Jesus. And, and when, when you, when we fast, it's an intentional decision to draw near to Jesus. And it may hurt, there's a little pain, there's a little difficulty in it, but, but there's joy. Because if we love Jesus, we know that in fasting we're drawing near. In prayer, we're drawing near. In reading scripture and showing up for the church gathering and all these spiritual disciplines, we are drawing near to Christ. And if ultimately we love Christ and he's our motivation, there's joy in all of that. There's joy in it. And all the more so when we remember the joy of Christ on our behalf when he was stretched out on a cross. There's an eternal well of joy within each and every believer when we are actively drinking from the river of life that is Christ. And we cannot help but to be full of that joy when it, even while we are experiencing momentary discomfort if, if we are tapped in to the river of life that is Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage us, just, I want to mention just a couple things. And like I said, we'll come back to this because I got, there's a few more things to say. We'll come back to this next week. But, but I want to encourage us with three things this week. One, I, I want to encourage each of us to check the motivation behind our religion. Why do you participate in religion? Is it because you love Jesus or is it because you want to prove yourself or because you want people to see that you're a good Christian? What's, what's our motivation behind our religious practices? The second thing, I want to encourage you to do something. I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but I want to encourage you to plan a fast for God's glory. Now, listen, I realize not everybody can fast at the same level. There are some, you know, some who, who wrestle with health issues, and maybe you can't do like a whole full-on fast, but everybody can do some kind of a fast, right? Amen. You can do something. You can like give up, I don't know, coffee for, oh, Whew, that was a rough thought. I'm sorry. Uh, you can give up coffee for a, for a day or two or something. But, uh, um, but plan some kind of a fast for God's glory, not in order to earn any, any standing with him or to, to earn standing with other people or to feel more spiritual, just for God's glory. And when you fast, 
This is the third thing. Do so with great joy that you have in Christ. Remember the joy Christ had for you on the cross. In a fast, you get to identify a little bit with him in that joy in his suffering. And that is so cool. I would encourage you to do that. Um, I'm convinced that a Christian who is content to fast with that kind of anonymity for the worship of God alone is well primed to be a diffuser of grace. A diffuser of grace, somebody who releases the fragrance and aroma of Christ into our culture. This broken world desperately needs to see Jesus, church. So I want to encourage us that as we move away from here today, let's go in Christ's power, full of the Holy Spirit, and be the sort of Christian that our world needs to see right now. A Christian who's in this only for the glory of Christ alone, for nothing else. I want to pray for us, and I want to, I want to give us an opportunity this morning to respond to him. Um, whatever that looks like for you, maybe there's some repentance that needs to happen. Maybe you've been doing it for, for yourself or for somebody else rather than for Christ. And today, God wants to give you an opportunity to return to him. So um, what we're going to do, well, I'll pray for us. And uh, I think, Pastor Richard, did you want to, I know you had something you wanted to mention before next week. Um, but uh, Pastor Richard's going to come and share something with us. But uh, after that, we'll take, we'll, and we'll take our offering as well. After that, we're going to just open up for people to be prayed for. And uh, I know Dennis, is, one of our deacons is here, um, and uh, Richard and Dwight and I will all be around, and we would love to pray for people. If you want to be more full of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you for that, as well as for healing this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spiritual disciplines. And I know, Lord, discipline is a, a word that we don't always love, but it's something that we need. We need to grow in Christ-likeness. So help us, Father, and help us to have the joy of the Lord in all these things. Whatever we do, we pray that you would draw us into your presence to honor you with everything that we do and all that we are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc. Org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.